The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and we're coming to you live from my office. Uh, And I'm thrilled to be here this morning because we're going to be talking about something, a bunch of things that are very near and dear to my heart. Uh, And one, I just realized I don't have a piece of paper here. Uh, Bummer. Uh, But one of the things that we're going to be talking about is having fun with your kids this summer and not allowing them to get bored. We're going to, we're going to do the boredom busters today. So, uh, and, and hi, Michelle. And I, especially, this is one of those shows we're trying to do more shows where we can get to a little bit more interaction. So I really want to hear from you guys today. I want to hear what's kicking your can. I want to know like, what are your concerns this summer? We're going to be, we're going to be taking on as much as we can in this hour slice that we're doing with you here. Oh, and look, Traven brought me a piece of paper. He is the best of the best. So, um, it's wonderful because I'm going to need it in just a second. That was the one thing I'm trying to go as paperless as possible, you guys, in the new office. But then I don't have a piece of paper when I need to do this one very special thing that we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, but let's let's talk about just a couple of things. First of all, I'm Shannon Penrod. I'm here. I'm going to be your your tour guide for the hour, and it is my pleasure to be that. I identify as a pony. I am a parent of a neurodiverse individual. In fact, sometimes I refer to myself now as a Ponay. I am the parent of a neurodiverse adult individual. My son was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half. Hello, Amanda and her blue hearts. Amanda posted this weekend, she got my book and I like, it just made me so happy knowing that it's in your hand, Amanda. And I'd love to know what you think. And for anybody that's, uh, my, my book is officially out now. You can get it. All major booksellers. I, 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 I think there was a moment when we were sold out on Amazon over the weekend, but I think they have more now. I think, I don't know. You can always get it from futurehorizons.com. But I, I like, I'm begging, pleading anybody who feels the need. I would, I would love reviews of any kind on, on Amazon because that helps it to get to other people. And the whole reason why I wrote that book was to put down the things that I learned. So somebody else besides me can benefit from it. Right. Uh, so I, I and, and everything in the book won't be useful to anyone, but if there's one thing that can help you in the book, then that makes my day happy. But thank you, Amanda, for getting the book and for posting that you got it. Uh, Anyway, we were talking about here, and I'm a parent, and I've been on this journey for a hot minute. My son is now 19, and he was diagnosed when he was two and a half, so somebody do the math. I can't. Um, And I, what I knew about autism on day one couldn't have filled a teacup, right, even to make a tempest in a teacup. One of my best friends from college, her son had been diagnosed with autism a good 12 years before my son was diagnosed with autism, and... Uh, that's about all I knew. And I knew that her life had, had become really complicated and difficult and that she was a bit of a, you know, a mover and a shaker and she was going to get things done for her kid. And, and that motivated me, right? That I, apparently there were things I needed to learn and I went on the journey like a lot of you. So uh, somewhere along uh, the way, I got down on my hands and knees and eventually was sitting on my knees with my hands together saying, please, 
God of my understanding, help me to know what to do. Show me, you know, that sometimes I'm ridiculously not paying attention. So make it clear to me. And if you show me what to do and you help me to know what to do, I will rise to that occasion and I will do it. And I promise that when my kid is doing better, I will turn around and help whoever I can. That's the journey I'm on, folks. That's it. That's what happened. That's why I'm here. That's why I've been doing shows about autism now for like 13 years. Because when my kid was better, I was like, oh, I got to live up to this now and I don't know how to do it. And within 24 hours, the, fo- the phone rang and and was somebody calling to see if I wanted to do a radio show. And, uh, and then eventually Dr. Grampy Shea called and said, you know, why, why don't you do a show for us? And that's how that all happened. Uh, Ka, I'm so happy that you're here. And uh, Ka has ordered the book too. So that's wonderful. You're going to see that uh, there's a, a lot of the stuff that we cover on the show and probably some things that maybe I never have covered on the show before. But well, I, that's the mission I'm on, you guys. I want to help you. And when I say you, I mean all of you. If you are the individual who's on the autism spectrum, please know that you are the beating heart of my why. Um, Absolutely. And the why of this show. We want to hear your voice. It's a whole reason why we're doing stories from the spectrum. So it's only your voice that we get very clear that that's only the voice of people who are neurodiverse, right? Um, But I also have the other part that I need to live up to help support everyone who loves you and cares about you, all those caregivers, whether it's a parent, uh, a a relative, uh, a teacher, uh, somebody who's a speech and language pathologist, an OT, uh, a BT, a behavior therapist, all of those people. I, I welcome all of you to this community. There used to be a big sign where where my son was treated was at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. And there was a big sign whenever we would bring him in for our clinics. And it said, welcome to a community of people who have de- decided that uh, easy will no longer suffice, right? There's nothing easy here. However, we can lighten the load when, first of all, we do it together and when we share, when we share what has worked and what hasn't worked, all with a mindfulness of understanding that everybody's different, everybody's starting on a different day with a different bag of tools, unfortunately, the, le- the playing field is not level, but we can still share things that work and help each other along the way. And for me, a big part of it, too, is the, the mental game of, you know, how do, how do we steal ourselves up to be able to do the things that we didn't think that we could do? Dark Angel is here with us. Hello to you. I'm so glad that you guys are here. So, okay, so that's the deal. I'm not an expert, right? But I'm somebody who cares deeply uh, about you and helping you to get where you need to go, understanding that it's my journey is not your journey, but maybe I can be your cheerleader. Maybe I can share an expert who tells you something that can help you. Maybe something in my experience, whether it was something that worked with my kiddo, something that didn't work with my kiddo, or something that helped me to mentally rise. Um, I hope that there's something of use to you. But please write in and and ask questions, right? Okay, we always start with something uh, on Mondays that we fondly refer to. I got to get my piece of paper ready. Uh, that we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani, are those experts talking about? What has this got to do with anything? And how do we go on? Dark Angel just said, hi, Shannon. How do I get over sadness? I feel like I'm going to die from it. 
And Dark Angel, oh my goodness, I am sending you the biggest hug. And I am telling you that every single person within the sound of my voice has felt that at least for some moment. Yeah, we have all felt it. And I think it's different for different people. But I I have to tell you from my perspective, I there was a lot of time that I was like, I don't want this to be my path. I, I and I so I was like, no, I wanted to relitigate it. I, I and I'm and I'm being honest with you that it wasn't just I don't want this to be my son's path. I was saying I don't want this to be my path. And that was the hardest thing because when we are not in harmony with what is, it never feels right, right? It's like how could this be? I did not pick this. I didn't pick this for my child. I didn't pick this for me. How can this possibly be, right? So the very first thing that I had to do was to start asking myself positive, assumptive questions. And, and, and I had to start with it with just one minute. How can I, what would feel good in this minute? What can I do for myself in this moment? And, and then I could lengthen it to what would, what would be helpful and useful to me in this hour? How could I take really good care of myself in this hour? Now, be careful because sometimes our, our reptilian brain goes, well, I want to run from the feeling. And it will tell you to do whatever you're addicted to. And you might be addicted to television. You might be addicted to video games. You might be addicted to food. You might be addicted to alcohol. You know, I mean, like there's a gamut of, of things to be addicted to, right? So be careful of that. I like to ask the question, what can I do that would be good taking care of myself today? How could I take care of myself today? And, and for me, that feels very selfish, not self-full. And I'm, I'm trying to have to change that a little bit so that I don't go to that space. So what would help me also is that I would need to ask myself, how can I make my child happy today? What can I do today that would make me and my child happy? And, and I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned along the way is that our brains are these supercomputers and they will always answer yes. And when we say things in our brains like, you know, this is horrible. I don't deserve this. I didn't ask for this. Your brain goes, yes. And that sadness for me, I can't speak for you, Dark Angel, but it, it felt like the water coming right up here. And, and it was that overwhelmed thing um, that I, and I just felt like I couldn't claw my way out of it. But if you ask a positive assumptive question, your brain will say yes. If you say, what can I do today to take really good care of myself? Your brain goes, yes, that's a thing that you can do. And it will fill something in the blank. And, and so that's something that's hard to do when you're feeling down in the mouth. But I got to tell you, Dark Angel, a day is going to come when you're going to be standing someplace and you're going to take a breath and it's not going to hitch. You're going to take a breath and you're going to be like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And my child is okay. This is not what I thought it was going to be, but there are a whole lot of things that I didn't think that were going to be that I wouldn't trade now. It will happen. It will happen. But one minute at a time, one day at a time, just ask yourself, okay, well, if this is what is, if this is what is today, like it, like it might be raining today and you plan to be outdoors, but it's raining. Okay. It's raining. What could I do in the rain that would make me really happy today? 
What could I do in the rain today that would make me and my child really happy today? And it might be something that's only a minute long. Um, it, it might be the smallest thing in the world. Uh, but that minute is crucial. And and I will tell you, if if that's too far, then then the thing that I tell people to do is to take three deep breaths. Because three deep breaths can change it all around. And, and there are times when I go to take a breath and I can't even take a deep breath because there's so much stress. So you take the biggest breath that you can and, and you hold on to it for like two seconds and then you let it go, right? And if you can do three deep breaths, it takes less than a minute to do that. And sometimes it takes just enough of an edge off of the pain for you to be able to go on to the next thing, right? And the other thing, the other things that I, I recommend is, you know, you can think about all the things that are wrong. That's always available. But try to think of one thing that you can be grateful for. I try to use my hands and I do things in five. So so start with three breaths, but if you can get to the point where you can take five deep breaths, right? And so I count them off on the one hand, right? And then I try to think of five things that I'm grateful for. And it can be that I'm grateful for having my hands because there are people who don't have hands. Like there is nothing that is ridiculous to be grateful for, right? Um, And while your brain can only do one function at a time and while you're thinking of what to be grateful for, you can't be in the what didn't happen the way you thought it was going to be. But Dark Angel, I'm, I'm sending you hugs. And I know that other people are sending you hugs too. And Amanda says, I'm doing ACT training and I got a therapist that I talk to weekly now. Man, that's helpful too. I, I encourage you, Dark Angel, to, to find people that you can dump the bad on um, that will take it. Uh, and Amanda says, yes, it's true. My, my daughter can't use her hands. Let's be, everybody who can use their hands and do this, be grateful for it, man. Because if you've ever had a hand injury and you realize what it must be like for people who can't use hands, you go, you know what? I'm going to be grateful for these things today. Um, and I'm going to be grateful that I'm able to walk or to wipe my own tushy. There's a lot to be grateful for. In addition to all the things that are always available that we're maybe not grateful for. Yeah. Um, but I'm sending love upon you, Dark Angel. You are you are a good parent. You are a very good parent. And you know how I know that? Because you're here. You're asking questions. You're trying. You got up this morning. You're a good parent. And, and what a blessing that is for you and your child. That is epic. You are on a path that is epic. You're on a path that other people, you know, I marvel sometimes. And I like in the early days, I was like, how come so-and-so doesn't have this path? How come I got this path? And hear me say that it wasn't as much about why is my child on this path? It was like, why? Why is this my story? That's where I was. I'm just being honest with you. And you know what? I'm at a point now where I I understand this is my path and I'm going to make the most of it. And the day that I said, okay, if this is our path, if this is the path that my son is on, if this is the path that I'm on, I'm going to make it count for something to someone right? I'm going to make this, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to share what we learn. I'm going to make sure that this counted for something. And I believe that with all my heart, that it, that it has, and that it does, that my child 
I always knew before he was born that he was going to be somebody who was going to change the world, right? Can I get an amen? Anybody else who knows that about their child? I knew that. I knew that for sure. And there was a moment when I thought, oh, this autism thing is going to make it so that that doesn't happen. And I went, no, what if this is exactly the path he needs to be on? And this is the thing that he, that, that this is the thing that he deals with that helps him to change the world. And I believe that to be true. All right. Anybody? Amen. Um, okay. We got to get back to the jargon, but I always stop to, to love on a parent because heaven knows we all need it. Right. But this is good stuff too, because we're talking about the ABC data today. And I got out my piece of paper that Traven brought to me and it's just a lined piece of paper. This could be any piece of paper, by the way, you can do this on your phone. Right. Um, but I, I like this because I'm old school and I like the paper and pen thing. And you can put this in your pocket, right? You can fold this all up and stick it in your pocket and take it with you. It fits in your purse and this can be life changing right here. So I folded it into thirds the long way, but you can fold it however you want. As long as you've got three co columns, I know the paper is rattling and it makes terrible noises. And I'm taking my trusty pen and uh, across the tops, not that one. Uh, all of my pens are bad today. I am writing down, we all know our ABCs, right? So I wrote down ABC. And what I'm going to do is anytime, and I can do this with absolute, I can do this with myself. I can do this with my child. I can do this with a coworker. I can do this with an allergic reaction. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to see that three-term contingency that we were talking about before. This is the ABCs of behavior. So whenever there's a behavior, there's an antecedent, which is what happened before, the behavior, which is the B, and the C, which is the consequence. And today, in today's talk, we're really going to be focusing on the A column, um, which is the antecedent. The antecedent is what happened before. It's almost like if you could visualize that instead of seeing the world, like if it was like the matrix and we could like strip everything else out and we could just see behavior chains. What we would look around is we would see these little capsules bumping into each other, all these behavior chains, my behavior chains, your behavior chains, our kids' behavior chains, all bumping into each other, right? And they would all have this ABC on them, right? So something happens, then a behavior happens, and then there is a consequence all over the place, all day, every day, every living thing having this happen over and over and over. And I never noticed them before until somebody pointed this out to me. And I was like, hmm, this is like a new toy. This is like new technology. I'm going to, I'm going to delve in here and see how much this is true. Because as I said to you guys on Thursday, we all think that it's all about the behavior. The things that you're, that are dragging you down today have to do with behavior. It could be that your child is biting. It could be that your child is kicking. It could, you know, think of all the behaviors that we classify as uh, challenging behaviors. It could be that your child um, isn't listening, which is a behavior, right? There are all these different things. You yourself might be having an issue with behavior that, you know, you keep losing your keys or, you know, you keep losing your phone or you keep overeating, right? Those are all behaviors. And we all want to control behavior, our behavior, other people's behavior. There's a lot happening in the news about people controlling other people's behavior. Yes, yes. Okay, so we all have this thing where we want to control behavior, but here's the secret. You ready? We have very little control over the behavior, where the control is, is in the antecedent and in the consequence. 
That's what it's all about. And if we can get our mindset into controlling this and controlling this, then the behavior goes right into place. It's just crazy how it works. And believe me, in the beginning, I didn't get it. I didn't believe it. I was like, what you talking about, Willis? And then I started to get it. And I was like, this is a hot, hot toy. Why doesn't the world know about this? So let's break it down. Let's say that your child um, is having meltdowns. And, and you're like, I, I can't live like this. I can't, I, I, I just, I just don't even know what to do about this. Now, at some point you're going to want to call in an expert, right? But, um, if you call in an expert and you don't have this ABC data, then they're going to start with this and they're going to start asking you questions and you're going to have to try to remember it, but then they're going to have to see it and they're going to go back and forth and it's going to be this whole thing, right? And it's going to take longer to identify what the issue is. And so it's going to take longer to start an intervention that actually works and you might get it wrong because you don't have enough of this data. But if you take ABC data on what is happening and um, first of all, you will start to see things and go, huh, didn't know that, right? But then if you go to an expert, and experts cost money, yeah? And you take your ABC data sheet with you and you go, so here's what's happening and here's my ABC data sheet, a lot of things are going to go differently. First of all, the person, the expert that's taking it is going to see you as somebody who gets it. They're immediately going to see you as an ally and they're going to talk to you in a way that's different if you don't have this sheet. You know what I'm saying to you, right? Um, You're going to be a player on the team and you're going to get more done. First of all, that's just perception, right? But that's a true thing. Um, But then you've given them something so that they're not starting on step one. They're starting on like step 20. And they're going to be able to figure things out faster, put a more effective intervention in place faster, which means that you're going to get help faster and then your child is going to be doing things and feeling better and you're going to have a better relationship faster. So this is not a small thing, this ABC data thing. So I've said, we started with the analogy that your child is having the example that your child is having a meltdown and they're happening all the time. So, and, and you're, and listen, we all, we're like, it happens all the time. Right. Um, And then they tell you, let's go take some data on it. So your child has a meltdown. And so what you do is while they're having the meltdown, you're going to focus like a court reporter on the behavior. And in the moment when they're having the meltdown, that's all you do. And if you didn't watch our talk on Thursday about tantrums and meltdowns, it's available to you everywhere we do our podcasts. Uh, Did I even say that we're live right now? We are live right now. It's Monday, the 27th of June. No, yes, June. I I was going to say July. I don't know which month I'm in. Uh, Anyway, we're live right now. You can be writing in all the different places. And I think, Trayvon, you showed all the places. I'm like so hyped up about this that I didn't talk about all that. Anyway, um, it's so that is podcast. That Thursday show about tantrums and meltdowns is podcast. You can get it. It's a free download wherever you get your podcast. Okay. And, but we talked about meltdowns and, and about how, and tantrums and that while it's happening, we don't try to teach. We don't try to lecture. We don't do that. What do we do when a tantrum or a meltdown is happening? First, we secure the area to make sure that our child and everybody else in the property is safe. And then the second thing that we do is that we switch into court reporter mode because we know that we're going to have to write down what the experts call the topography of the behavior. What did it look like? What were they doing? How long did it last? I I like to, if you have the means to, like look at your watch or look at your phone and you go, okay, it's 10, 12. 
Let's see how long this sucker lasts because you and I both know it feels like it lasts forever, right? Like, like it is, uh, you know, seven hours long. And really in the moment, we're like, this is my entire life, right? So you just start taking data. Okay, it started at 10, 12. Uh, everything is safe. You know, they can't hurt themselves. They can't, you know, break the television. I've moved the glass off the table, so it's not going to get shattered. And, you know, now I'm not going to give them direct attention, but I'm going to keep an eye out the corner of my eye so that I'm watching what it is that they're doing. So this is when I sort the mail. This is when I water plants. And I know you guys are like, are you out of your mind? No, I was taught this, that I'm in the room with them. They are safe. I am keeping myself busy with something small. So it might be that, you know, I'm just writing a note to myself. I can be on my phone making a note. I'm not giving them attention, but I'm also not ignoring them right? So I busy myself with something small, but the whole time on the inside, I am talking to myself and going, oh, that's interesting. Now, now he's kicking his feet. Oh, okay. And now he's looking to see if I'm looking at him. And that's why I'm keeping myself very small here. But that's a interesting thing. He was looking to see if I was looking at him. Mm, that's an interesting look. And I'm remembering this for when I write it down, or you can be making the notes in your phone as it happens, if you're able to do that. Okay, but that's the behavior. Then when the tantrum or the meltdown or whatever is over, you want to be paying attention very closely to what are the consequences. Did it end because you said, I'm going to let you have the thing that you wanted? We really don't want to do that, but you might have. In the beginning, we all do. Come on, we all do, right? I did. I sometimes still do because I am not perfect and nobody's asking you to be perfect. So we want to be mindful of what were the consequences after, you know, when the tantrum is over, what is the consequence for having the tantrum? Do we go back to normal? You know, what, what was the consequence? Then, then we want to be detectives and go back in time and go, all right, I need to reconstruct what happened right before. Now, this is a little imperfect because we're asking you to remember, and it may not be perfect, but this is why we're going to take a lot of ABC data because you're writing down what happened before. Well, it was 10, 12. So what happened before? Um, Oh, well, you know, they were watching this program and I turned the program off. Oh, that's an antecedent. Oh, I I gave them lemonade uh, 15 minutes before. We, you know, they woke up and they were, you know, whatever you think, put it in the antecedent, anything that was going on in the house, the sprinklers went off, Um, you know, outside the sprinklers went off or, um, you know, it got cloudy, whatever it is, because there's a lot of sensory things that can go into this, right? So you, you write down all of that. And then once you've written everything down, now that might take up the whole page, you guys, but then you draw a line and you're ready to put the next one in. And when you take data on things, it might be after three times, it might be after five times, you're going to start to see patterns. You're going to go, huh, that's very interesting. They have a tantrum every day at 10, 12. Well, that's not random now, is it? That means that something is going on in the antecedent that is making them be somebody who is very unhappy around 10, 12. So that's a clue. And if we can change whatever that thing is, we might be able to head this sucker off at the pass. That gets very exciting when you see uh, uh, a trend. 
You might also see that, oh no, it happens at 10.12 and it happens at 3.30 and it happens at 4.55. But I see always in the consequence that it's me turning off the television. Well, now we know something else. Or it could be, isn't that interesting? Every time I give him lemonade 15 minutes later, he flips out. Well, now that's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes you will look at the data and you will go, I don't see it. And that's why it's important to have an expert look at it for you. We, the first time that we really took ABC data and uh, that it wasn't somebody else doing it for us, that it helped us um, was when my son was having a tantrum every time that we were in the same store in the same area of the store. And man, I could not see it, but I took all the ABC, uh, uh, ABC data took it to them, and then they came to the store and watched. And you know what it was? It was where the floor changed, that there was slick concrete floor, right, the painted concrete floor, and then it went to a grid. And when we would step onto the grid, the kid would lose his mind because it was a sensory nightmare for him. He thought he was going to fall through the floor. Okay? So the thing is, is that we just have to remember that there's nothing random. And, and that all the dots do connect. It's just that we can't possibly see all of them at the same time. So the ABC data helps us to connect dots. It helps the experts to connect dots. This is all going to make sense when we get to what the topic that we're talking about today is. But this is powerful stuff. If you want to change, if there's something that's going on in your household today and you're like, oh my gosh, I would really like to change this. I just don't know if I can live through this. This is not what I signed up for. I can't do this. Take ABC data on it. Take ABC data on it. Even if you don't know who your expert is yet, take your ABC data on it. And if you have to, write write, write your ABC data in to ask Dr. Doreen. And Dr. Doreen will go over it with you and like on the show and look at it and be like, okay, here's, here's what the, the trend is that maybe you didn't see. All right. ABC data. Powerful, powerful stuff. And by the way, you can use this on your significant other. You can use this with the people that you work with. Like figure out, you know, why, what, you know, they do this thing and why do they always do this thing? And if you do the ABC data, you'll start to understand why. And the keys to the kingdom are that we're going to only worry eventually about what do we have control over in the A and the C. And today we're going to be talking about things that we have control over in the A. All right, moving on. We always have a question of the day that's going to go hand in hand with what we're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. Um, because it's summer and the schedules have changed. And um, I don't I don't think that that was the one, but that's OK. Uh, where would you love to go on vacation? Let's go ahead. Let's go with that one. This is that thing I was talking about earlier. You have an expectation uh, of what it's going to be and that it isn't. And you got to roll with it and go, all right, for a second. There's probably a reason why we need to do this. Where would you love to go on vacation? What would be the ideal vacation for you? And then I'm going to tell you what the actual question was supposed to be this morning. The actual question uh, was supposed to, okay, so we're going to, we're going to roll with this. Um, oh, Amanda wants to go to Italy, the Amalfi Coast. I don't even know what that is. I'm going to have to look it up, Amanda. Um, see, and it's good. Your brain is taking a vacation right now because we're talking about, and you want to go with all your kids. I love that. This is good because um, it does go hand in hand. Because what the question was supposed to be today was, what do you do when your kids are bored? What do you do with your kids when they're bored, right? Um, but 
you know, let's talk about for us, what do, what do we do to give ourselves a little vacation? And we can start with talking about vacation. Do you know that they've done studies on this? And that, um, for instance, you know, you say to people, what would you like to have? And they go, oh, a million dollars. I'd like to have a million dollars. And they've done studies. I don't know how they do these studies, but they've done studies showing that thinking about having a million dollars gives you the same feeling in your brain of actually having a million dollars. And it's the same thing with a vacation. If you can't afford a vacation, thinking about the vacation can give you some of the hormones and the pheromones and whatever of having a vacation. Um, so it's you can take a mini vacation right now and think about the vacation that you'd like to go on. All right. Uh, so I sort of love that that ended up being the And then so we have a, a different topic than what I thought that we were going to talk, talk about. Uh, so, uh, but that's okay. Should we go with the one that you've got, Traven? Go ahead, put it up and we'll, we'll roll with these punches because that's what life is all about. Adaptability, or maybe we're not, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, but what, uh, oh, scheduling breaks. There we go. Um, and which is not actually what, but it's a different version of what it was that I had planned on talking about because, um, what we're really going to be talking about um, today uh, is what can we do with our kids during, I think, isn't this the topic for real, um, Traven? We're going to be talking about what to do with our kids because it's summer. And I think that one of the biggest things that happens with our kids is that our kids get bored. There is this mistaken notion that our kids are tuned out, don't know what's happening, um, aren't aware of what's happening. Um, yes, thank you. That we're talking about what what things to do with our kids be, and and prioritizing fun because I think that boredom is one of the biggest reasons that our kids will start to engage in. Challenging behaviors, perseverative behaviors, and things of the nature. When we've all had that moment where you, you've you got a kiddo that, like, you can have a kiddo that has some of the highest challenges that there are on this spectrum, right? And then when there is that miraculous moment when they get to do something that they just jive with, that they tune with, and it's insane how the perceptive behaviors go to the side um, that, you know, we, we have people that have been on the show here with us that stutter, but when they're doing the thing that they love, stuttering gone. We have um, been on the show here with people who have anxiety, like who anxiety, right? Can't move anxiety. And yet when they're doing the thing that they love and they're in tune with it, the anxiety, poof, gone. Right. So, um, you know, part of having healthy individuals for ourselves and for our kids is giving them things that are fun and are in tune with what they do. But it also means um, getting rid of the boredom. Because every moment can't be the perfect moment we're doing everything that we love. It's not like that for anybody. Right. Um, but we can do things on it. There's almost like a spectrum of things that are fun for us or things that are different or things that are engaging. And, and the thing that we want to avoid, I loved where I went to college. They said that the, the um, 11th commandment was thou shalt not bore, right? Because 
boredom is the space where our brain looks for something to do and gives us answers that are not necessarily the good answers. So um, this is great that the topic that we have up is um, scheduling breaks, but let's just jump right into this about, you know, so what do we do with this time this summertime when probably you might have less services than you've ever had before. How do we keep our kids engaged? How do we have fun with them? Because we didn't have kids to just be therapists, right? We didn't become parents to just chase down resources for autism, right? Our goal was to enjoy our kids and have our kids know and enjoy us. And I got news for all of you, even though it may seem this morning like autism has taken that off the table for you, I'm going to tell you that's a lie. It has not taken it off the table for you. It might look different than you thought it was going to look, but you can enjoy your kids and your kids can enjoy you and they get to, they can get to know you and what you like, like, and then things start to jive. They are people, you are people, and you can mesh together. And I have seen this with even the severest of the severest challenges with individuals on the spectrum, right? When we slow things down and we start to take care of this part of the relationship, good things happen. It's summer. Let's take advantage of it and let's do some fun things with our kids. So first of all, our first tip um, this morning about how you do this to make it easier for yourself is that you got to make a schedule. And I know I just lost a bunch of you. You're like, no, you just said, take a break and I need a break and it's summer. And I just, I've been on a schedule and we've been having to run from therapy to therapy. And you just ruined it for me, Shannon, that I got to make a schedule. But it's true. You got to make a schedule. It's just that let's fill the schedule with things that are different and fun. And it's that pot. So think of it as an open grid. And that thing that I said earlier about that positive assumptive about like, if you could say to yourself, what would be fun for me and my kids today, then that becomes the first thing to go on the schedule. The schedule is a, a platform. It is not your be all end all, but I'm going to tell you why a schedule is going to help you because it's that whole thing about when we fail to plan, we plan to fail. Right. Um, and, and that you have too much to think about all at one time. Let's be honest. There's too much going on. And, and it's the feeling of, I don't know what to do that you guys tell me all the time sinks your battleship. I know it sank mine. It's like, I don't know what to do in a tantrum. I don't feel empowered. So I, I, I start to shut down. It's the same thing with unscheduled time. If you're, if you're like, I don't know what to do, you begin to go, oh, I'm a failure as a parent. I, I'm, I'm cheating my child of, you know, no, right? But if we schedule downtime, then it's no, 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 no. This is my scheduled downtime. I'm not a bad parent. I'm a good parent because we all need, we all need downtime and I scheduled it. I'm a good parent. So it fills in the blanks and you don't have to constantly invent your day. So we make the schedule. Okay. So and then once you've made the schedule, you got to make a visual schedule. And I know I drag my feet on this myself. And I always go, we don't really need a visual schedule, do we? I'm just going to say what the schedule is. Guess what? That doesn't work. And I, 
you know, I rail against this every summer, but we need a visual schedule. And it, your visual schedule, how, ask yourself this positive assumptive question. How could you make it fun for you and your family to make a visual schedule? Are you like a really artsy fartsy kind of person and you like to take a big magic marker and do whatever? I was taught that, you know, probably everybody has somewhere in your house a a roll of wrapping paper, right? And that wrapping paper almost always on the backside, maybe if you have the good wrapping paper, it has a grid, but it's it's okay, you can write on it, right? Um, And so sometimes we have taken a big roll of wrapping paper and put it on a big place on the wall and we made a grid on it and we started, and, and when my son was older, we filled it out together. Big visual schedule. I know people that take a cookie sheet and make magnets and put it on the cookie sheet um, and then hang the cookie sheet on the wall. I know people who laminate and do in different colors and do different things and different shapes. And like, you know, when they're going to go swimming, they, you know, it's a different icon. And there are people who make it with Velcro that you can stick the things on and move it around, whatever flips your switch. But a visual schedule. Now you might be a technology person. And so you're going to put it on your phone. Easel roll of paper is only $6 at Michael's. I got to go right now. I'll be back. Um, No, seriously. I love that. An easel roll paper, $6 at Michael's. So, uh, you know, one of the things I'm going to say to you, make the making the schedule some way rewarding for you. Um, you know, like ask yourself, what would I need to do to make this thing fun, making the schedule and then do that. Do you need to have, you know, crayons? Do you need to have magic markers in seven different colors? Like what would it take for it to be fun for you? But I want you to make it visual because then when there's a moment when you're lost, it's your, it's your compass. You go back to it and go, okay, what are we supposed to be doing now? You can always reject it and go, I don't want to do that. At which point you just like, you know, go, we're going to do this instead of this. You can always do that, right? It doesn't have to be your be all end all, but it's the place you go to when you're stuck, right? But it has to be visual, not just for you. It has to be visual for every member of your family. And I'm going to guarantee you one of the things that you're going to find out when you do the visual schedule is that sometimes the person who needed it the most was not your kid on the spectrum. Sometimes it was your spouse that needed it. Sometimes it's you, but sometimes it is your kid on the spectrum. And, and here's the big thing. Visual schedules reduce anxiety. What? Yes, they actually do. Because this is that thing that Dr. Grand Pichet always talks about that imagine that you had to go to work today and you had no idea what you were going to do at work all day and you didn't know when it was going to end and you didn't know when you were going to get a break. How much anxiety would you have? You could love your job and that would still be anxiety provoking, right? If you didn't know what you were going to do and you didn't know when it was going to end and you didn't know when there was going to be a break, it would be like, holy Christmas, Batman. I don't, you know, your anxiety level will go up and imagine what it is like for somebody who may not be entirely verbal. They want to know when their break is coming and they want to know when the good stuff is coming and they want to know when it's over, right? So you make the visual schedule and it could be as simple as just saying morning, afternoon, right? I would put in the meals in between those things so they know, oh, this is when when the meal is coming. But 
once you've made the schedule, the blocks, so that you know which time zones, schedule the fun first. It's summer. Life is short. Ask the positive, assumptive question, what would make us happy today? Because we're going to talk about a lot of other things and about things that are going to help your child learn and grow. We're going to do all that. But what would be fun? What would be fun? If, you know, when, when my son was younger and we would do this, for me, the biggest part of the day was that we lived in a, a community association where there were swimming pools that I didn't have to maintain, but, you know, we could go in whenever we wanted. And, you know, it was just like a, across the street and down two houses, our community pool, just for our neighborhood. And, um, and so the first thing I would put on there every day is when are we going swimming? Because that was a big reinforcer for me. And it was a big reinforcer for my son and knowing that it was on the schedule and that we were going to get to swim every day took a, a lot of my anxiety out. Turns out it also took anxiety out of my son and my husband. And it was a really, really, really great thing. So we don't have a community pool anymore. I can't put that on there. You may not either. And it's like, so what, what can we do? And whenever you find yourself going, but I don't have that, ask the positive assumptive question. So what can we do? What could I put in today? And you don't have to do this every day uh, right now, but you're going to do it every day. Eventually, what could I do to prioritize and put that fun in? What could I possibly do that would be fun for all of us? And it it might be that every day that's a craft project because it might be that that's what your kid is into. Um, It might be that it's watching a show. As long as just make sure that you're asking yourself, is this in any way harmful to us? Like that's the only litmus test for this. Prioritize the fun. Schedule that in there. Then I would ask you to schedule anything that's immovable. Like if you know you have speech on Tuesdays at 1015, that you got to put that in there. That's an immovable. That's happening. There's nothing we can do about it. We're not changing it. It's important. So we're going to put it. I got to work. So I put the work schedule in there. But then you have to figure out where is your kid during that time, right? You've probably already figured that out. But um, then then you want to think to, okay, what are the things that maybe we haven't gotten to that I'd like to put in? I've talked about this before on the show that um, what I did when my son was very young was I thought about what um, what is it that my son needs to be working on more than anything else? And there was one summer in particular that they said what he needs right now is social skills and he needs to be with lots of friends that have lots of different styles of communicating. He really needs to do this. And so we instituted, it was Thursdays with Jem. And I invited everyone and I made a schedule. I know it's a running theme, right? A schedule. But I picked Thursdays because most of the museums in Los Angeles at that time were free on Thursdays. And so I picked, there were like 11 Thursdays in summer. And for each one, I said, okay, we're going to the beach on this day. We're going to this museum. We will be at the Travel Town Train Museum at 1015 on this Thursday. And I mailed that schedule to everyone we knew that had kids, everybody that was in his class, um, everybody that had been in his class the year before, 
anybody that I was friends with that had kids. And I said, you know, you are not expected to come, but if you'd like to join us on any one of these things, you know, just let me know. And I was nervous, you guys, because I thought, oh, we're going to have 42 people show up to one thing and nothing to another. It just sort of worked out. And I didn't make myself responsible for anybody else's trip. I just, I made sure that they were all free that there was no cost and that we went to every single one and that everybody was welcome. And it was amazing. A couple of people showed up for each thing. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day because it came up in my memories that the day that we were at the Travel Town Museum and we had a group of, of maybe like four kids and parents, you know, were there and such. And a friend came by too. And it, it was the day that Ma- Michael Jackson died. And, and it's sort of solidified forever in my memory that, you know, that was when we were there and um, somebody showed up and told us that that's what had happened. Um So that's how long ago that was. But I still remember that summer as being one of the great summers. It was only one day a week, but it felt like we went to all these museums and we did all these fun things. And that's what we remember about that summer. Um, I love that we had an expert on the show who talked about um, only planning one big thing a day so that if you plan an outing, you never plan more than one outing a day. So if, if you know that you have to go to speech on Tuesday, that's an outing. You're going out and you're going there. So you would never schedule, all right, we're going to speech and then we're going to go to the beach. Like that's too much for where we're at right now. Maybe another summer, summer you'll do that. So be thinking about that. Like what are the kinds of things that we can do at home? Oh, this is a day that we don't have an outing. So I'm going to put an outing there and you can look up all the museums in your area. And I really want to encourage you to do this for a couple of different reasons. First of all, it's a great outing and they all have a free day. And if they don't call them, ask them why they don't. They either have a free or a discount day and you can schedule those outings and go, yes, it's going to be more crowded on the free day. That is absolutely true. But if you can't stay for more than 15 minutes, it didn't cost you anything but the gas, right? So it's a worthwhile thing. And in that 15 minutes, your child will have learned something, grown somehow, wherever. So I encourage you to do the museums. If you don't have any in your area, um, it's in the back of my book, but it's also on my blog, which I don't know if we have a link to, Traven, um, but it's uh, Shannon Penrod Speaks. And I, in COVID, I made a list of 101 things to do with your kids when you're staying at home. And that's just things to do at home. And then we added in some of them. There are museums on there that started doing virtual tours in COVID. And I believe that most of them are still doing the their uh, museum things. Um, so, but again, if you're going to leave the house, uh, I'm just encouraging you one thing per day, <laughs> one, one scheduled thing per day. Okay. Um, but here's the, here's the other thing about the schedule. So you've made the schedule, you've made the schedule visual and you're using the schedule whenever you're at a loss and like, well, what are we supposed to be doing right now? And train everyone to look at the schedule. So whenever there's, you know, our kids aren't going to be like, they're not going to say I'm bored, which is what we always did. Right. I'm bored, mom. Our kids instead will just they know how to entertain themselves and they'll start stimming. 
or they'll start going and doing something. If you notice them doing that, you can say, it's time for us to go look at the board. We have to see what are we supposed to be doing right now? Make it fun for them. And like, hey, what are we doing right now? Let's go look. Oh, it says that we're supposed to be playing right now. Then let's play. What do we want to play? And play with them for that period of time, right? Um, You have to schedule in downtime or free time or whatever it is, but then you have to be mindful about it and say to yourself, okay, um, so this is a 15 minute, do whatever you want time. And you can call it whatever you want. You can give it some fancy, fancy name. Um, but we want to be teaching our kids how to have free time where they get to do whatever they want. And that it needs to be exciting for them, not a punishment, right? Um, th- there's a trick here because what you're really doing is giving yourself a break. So you're saying, okay, make these short to begin with. Say, okay, so now we have 10 minutes where you get to do anything that you want to do. What do you want to go play with? And and they'll be like, oh, well, let's do this. And you're like, no, you get to go and do this by yourself. Um, And then you go and do whatever you need to do for 10 to 15 minutes because we're building a muscle here for them to entertain themselves and to prize their downtime. But the problem is, is that all they have is downtime they won't know what to do with it, right? So we give them just a soups on of a break, uh, just a schmidge of one, and then we we come back and go back to the schedule, right? But as I said before, the schedule is there as a guide. If you get to two o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday and it says that you are supposed to scale Mount Everest, which I hope you don't put that on there, but it says that you're supposed to do something that feels like you're supposed to uh, scale Mount Everest, then, and you go and you go, I, I, I can't, you are the person who made the schedule. You have the right to say, we need to change this. And you do not have the right to beat yourself up about it because this is where you teach your child flexibility. You go oh, it's on the schedule that we're supposed to do this, but you know what we're going to do instead? Instead, we're going to do something else. We're going to have free time or whatever, and you make it a positive thing. And what you're teaching them that it is, is that we have a schedule. The schedule is not the be all end all, that we survive when we break the schedule and that it's okay and that we can make the decision. Be careful because then eventually they're going to learn it and they'll go, I don't want to do this. That's okay too, but negotiate with them. Okay. You don't want to do this. What do you want to do? But if it's something that they have to do, then what you want to say to them is, we need to do this, but here's what we're going to do is we're going to do this right afterwards. Do you see what I did there? Because what we have been talking about this whole time without me drilling at home is antecedent. Antecedent is making the schedule, coming up with things to do before they're bored, um, letting them know what it is they're going to do, letting them know when there's a break. All of those things are antecedent um, modifications that we do because we don't want to get to boredom behavior. But what I just switched to was consequence. When we're going to ask them to do something that they really don't want to do, what we're going to do is offer them a huge consequence for doing it anyway. Okay. So I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, Renee said, love these autism lives. I'm watching in two devices in different rooms so that I don't miss anything. I just love you. You're amazing. Okay. One of the last things that I want to talk about is one of the reasons why we don't do big craft projects and, and, or we don't play big games or some of the things that you're going to see on that 101 things to do in your home. 
involve kind of tearing your house apart. Like one of my favorite things on the list is setting up an obstacle course in your house and having the kids run it or making blanket forts or things like that. The reason why we don't do them as a parent, let's be honest, is that not only is there huge energy to expend to get it started and to show them how to do it and all that, but then you're left cleaning it up. And that's not fun. That's not reinforcing for you. So one of the big things that we're going to learn this summer um, is that somewhere on the schedule, you need to put things like chores and that, and you have to make it as fun as possible. Um, You play games while you're doing chores, right? But after every single activity you build into your schedule. So if, if, you know, if it says on the schedule, we're doing an art project from 11 to noon, just like if you were teaching an art class to a group of kindergarten, that wouldn't mean that you would end the craft project at noon. You would set a timer that would 10 minutes before would say, oh, it's time for cleanup. And cleanup has to be a fun thing that absolutely everyone participates for. And there is some reward for participating in the cleanup. I used to love I did not love Barney, but I loved the thing, the Barney song that everybody would go, clean up, clean up, everybody clean up, something like that. I can't even remember the tune. But we built it in that we would sing that song when we were cleaning up and we would play races while we were cleaning up. So, we, you know, if he had somebody over, everybody everywhere, is that what it is, Trayvon? I can't remember. Clean up, clean up. Uh, everybody clean up. I don't know. Trayvon will help me remember it later. Everybody do your share. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody everywhere. Clean up, clean up. Everybody do your share. It could be that song. It could be another song, but you build it into every single thing so that you are never cleaning up by yourself. This teaches your children responsibility. It teaches them, you know, planning and, and it helps you tremendously. And it actually really helps them too. So at the end of every activity, we're teaching them to clean up. One of the things that we would do with my son, as I said, we would do races. So it would be like, there would be Legos everywhere. You know what I'm saying, right? And so if he had a friend over and a lot of times friends would be like, oh, it's time to leave. And I would go, oh, it's time for cleanup. And and one parent in particular was like, oh, we really need to go. And I was like, but we clean up first, right? And I would make this little snot (laughs) Enough, right? And the mother was like, oh, he won't do that. And I was like, yes, he will. And and I, and I would go, okay, you guys, right now we're going to do a race for 60 seconds. We're going to see who can pick up more red Legos than anybody else. And, and it'd be like, ready, set, go. And, and, and it would be mayhem in my house of people, you know, scrambling to pick up the red Legos and put them back in the barrel. And it was fun suddenly. And they didn't realize that they were having you know, this big cleanup thing they were cleaning. So we would make it as fun as possible. I also participated in, in the cleanup, but you know, I would let them win. I would let them pick up more red Legos than me. And then of course, you know, I would say, what should we do next? And and then one of the kids goes, let's pick up the yellow ones next. And I go, okay. And the mother would be standing there going, I don't know whether you're an evil genius or or what? And I go, yeah, I, all of it was taught to me through ABA. Um, but make the cleanup a part of it and make it fun. Uh, Sarwar says, thank you for doing a weekly video. My son is getting ABA from card for the last four months. We definitely see improvements. He's three years, six months. I wish we started ABA when he was in his twos. And you know what? I understand. We all feel that way. When my son started at three, he was, he was like, 
uh, it was like a week after his third birthday, but he was diagnosed at two and a half. And I still lament that six months, but you know what? There's no fruit there. So, you know, focus on where there is fruit now, get everything you can right now, everything, everything that you can, every single minute that he can, um, and learn everything that they learn, right? Because you're doing a good job. Uh, Amanda says, with my daughter, we have a picture of how it's supposed to look clean. I love that. And she has to match it like her dollhouse. Oh, Amanda, I need to do that for my husband. Uh, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm just trying to introduce in my household that the kitchen isn't really clean until you've swept the floor. And it's like this new thing that everybody's like, what? Um, is that a thing? Is that really something that's true? Uh, the picture of what it looks like before. You can even make a checklist for kids that have that understand uh, text, right? Or a visual schedule, you know, of the, the picture of how it looks when it's clean so that they have something to follow along with. But the main thing is don't stick yourself with the cleanup. Uh, make it fun. Make it super duper fun. And every you know what will happen? Your kids will be engaged more of the day. You know what this will do? This will help them to be flexible at school. It will help them to focus at school. It is so much easier to focus when you've had practice focusing and what better way to practice is doing things that are fun. And when we make things that previously didn't seem like they were fun, we have expanded our kids' repertoire. So I hope that within that schedule and, and within the fun activities, you find the way to work on the things that you're working on. You can be in the pool working on diction. You can be in the pool working on relationships. You can be in the, the pool working on self-regulation, right? All of those things. And, and pretty much anywhere doing anything, you can work on anything. So you guys, don't let your kids get bored. Don't let yourself get bored. Have some fun. Prioritize the fun. It's just such a privilege being here with you guys. Let me talk a little bit about this week. So tomorrow on the show, we have Dr. Doreen. Ask Dr. Doreen is back. So if you've got some ABC data that you want her to look at, send it on over to me. My email is shannon at autism-live.com. You can send me your questions that you have for her or you can write them in live. Yeah. Um, then on Wednesday, we've got a great mom who is somebody who just moves it and shakes it and has all along. And she's got a new project that she needs some help from you guys uh, that she's now doing uh, a production where uh, autism is a part of it and she's looking for talent. So you guys might want to tune in to see that. Uh, and then on Thursday, um, I don't remember, Trayvon, are we talking about the potty training thing on Thursday? I think that that's Thursday's topic. Um, so we're, we're, we're doing some of these intensive um, autism live shows during the summer. I'll be honest with you. Normally we take a break and we do less shows and we just really felt like this summer is not the summer to do that. Um, and there've been all these topics that I've wanted to cover intensively. So, uh, we're doing that this summer. So I love that you guys are enjoying them and I hope that it's being helpful to you. And if you have, um, topics, that uh, you, oh, it's building language. It's not the potty training. The potty training is next week. Uh, so on Thursday, we're talking about what you can be doing right now to build language. Because you guys will write in and say, well, they can say five words, but um, 
or they can say one word, how do we get that to sentences? How do we get that to conversation? So that is what is on the schedule for Thursday. I'm excited about that. That's a good show. All right. So we're going to be back tomorrow with Ask Dr. Doreen. Until then, uh, give your kiddos a hug for me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.